Welcome to Understanding the Law Radio, your business success and legal information station. And now, your host, Peter Lamont. Well, hi, and thanks for joining me for another episode of Understanding the Law Radio. I'm your host, Peter Lamont, joined by my co-host, Brendan, and we start a brand new month today. It's December 3rd. That's one day closer to Christmas and that's right. the holidays. It's kind of crazy to believe that, you know, here we are, this year's gone by so fast, mm-hmm. and it's just a bizarre, bizarre time that we find ourselves in with obviously what's been going on and, and how is, is Christmas shopping being affected, and it's it's nuts. But, you know, in thinking about Christmas shopping, it brings me back to probably some of my favorite, favorite memories, and that was making my Christmas list for yeah, Santa, that's right. you know, and, and I remember as a kid, I mean, it's, it's completely different for you because we're, we're different ages, but for me, it was, you know, around middle, maybe beginning of November, but maybe middle of November where we would get the Sears catalog. And, and this was like the mother of all catalogs. <laughs> this thing was, I don't know, three inches thick. I could be exaggerating that, but it was massive, and it had everything that you wanted for Christmas in it, and stuff that you didn't, like, you know, bed sheets and stuff like that. But, of course. But in general, it had everything. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the biggest thing for me when I was a kid was Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, very big. I, Still big these days. Different. Different big. And and we've talked about some of this stuff on, on some other episodes. I know we talked about that Mandalorian show not too long ago. Mm-hmm. But Star Wars at that time in the 70s and, and 80s was just something that I, I can't say I, I've seen as part of a toy craze in, in today's world. Right. You know? Very, and, very different. You know, I remember when Episode 7 came out a few years ago, I thought it was going to be absolutely wild with people, you know, flooding the stores, tearing the shelves apart. And it just kind of wasn't that big. It was not it as big of a because, deal. No, it even happened back in the 90s, like 97 when they revamped. The well, it was even before the prequels. Before the prequels came out, because the prequels came out in 99, before they came out, they revamped the line of Star Wars figures. Oh, really? Yeah. And it was like this Power of the Force collection, and they were like super buff. It mm-hmm. was like like Luke Skywalker looked like He-Man. Oh, yes. I've seen the. I think those, I have a few of those. Yeah. The giant really, ones. really like muscly Luke Skywalker. Right. And and I people now knowing at that point what the nineteen seventies Kenner line did and how much money some of those were able to um to command, they went out and they bought everything. And when you buy and everybody's collecting and saving, then these things aren't valuable anymore. Right. The point is they're supposed to be, you know, not able to be gotten. Right. And and that was and that was the point of, of, of the nineteen seventies because Star Wars was probably one of the first major toy action figure lines where they, you know, it was different because before that there were a lot of, of larger figures, G.I. Joe's that were more, I think like maybe twelve inch and, and right. Kind of like Very a big and thick. Like a buff Ken. <laughs> like a, a buff you know. Ken's buff? Well, a buffer Ken. Buffer Ken. They were like G.I. Joe. It wasn't, you know, like Ken. Got it. Got you know it. what I'm saying? Yeah, I know what you're saying. So anyway, um, <laughs> but I remember looking through the Sears catalog and making my Christmas list based upon the action figures that I saw. 
Really? Oh yeah, it was amazing. And the smell Sounds of the catalog, the smell, the smell. Mm-hmm. Like you'd open, you'd crack open the pages, and it had just this dispa- distinct paper smell that said Sears catalog. And then you'd write out your Christmas list. And <laughs> so, Star Wars was a big thing for me. And and I remember one year getting this uh, remote control R two D two. It had to have been close to seventy seven. Maybe it was like seventy nine or or eighty. Um, and a remote control sand crawler and then all the figures. It was amazing. And so when I think about Star Wars and, well, I, let's take that the other way. When I think about Christmas, I, I have very, very fond memories of getting Star Wars figures and Star Wars toys for Christmas. That yeah. was like my big thing. Yeah. And, you know, Star Wars is still popular, as you pointed out. It's not what it was but it's it, it's still popular in a different way and, right. and now of course with the mandalorian everybody's on the hunt and and you know what they're hunting for they're hunting for baby yoda baby yoda the child you know if you watch the show uh all the characters are trying to hunt for baby yoda you know mandalorian as the child he's trying to keep him away but everybody's hunting for him trying to get him if you're in target you know that everybody is hunting for baby yoda in the aisles, the toy aisles. And you know who else is hunting for Baby Yoda? Disney. Disney themselves. But not just any Baby Yoda. Etsy Baby Yodas. Yeah. Yeah. So Disney does not take too kindly when people infringe on their, well, I want to say trademarks and copyrights, but really it's when they infringe on their profit margins. Right. So describe Etsy. I mean, everybody should know what Etsy is right now, but it's like Etsy's like a marketplace. Yeah, Etsy's a it's kind of like eBay or Amazon, but instead of selling, you know, books or toys, they sell toys but made by individual people. So you it's like crafts almost. You could sell your own crafts and stuff. You know, you can open up your own Etsy store where you sell plush figures or, you know, art or all kinds of things, phone cases, you know, pretty much anything can be found on Etsy, puppets, whatever you make. Baby Yodas. Baby Yodas. Baby so, Yodas can be found on Etsy. There's a number of Etsy sellers who have made and been selling these homemade Baby Yoda plushes. Right. And they've been selling them for about a month, and all of a sudden, what do you think happens? The mouse of the house. The House of Mouse. The House of Mouse. All tongue-tied. The House of Mouse finds out, and they don't like that. They don't like it at all. And they sent, um, you know, copyright infringement letters and demands for takedowns that these people stop selling Baby Yoda. Right. Now, some of it stems from um, sellers' use of the words Star Wars or Uh Mandalorian or Yoda. And so they're they're using those words as ways of saying, hey, you're infringing on our trademarks. Mm-hmm. And then others are just being asked, not asked, they're being told to remove just because they look like Baby Yoda. Mm-hmm. Distinct look that it's, hey, this is the character and um, we want you to take it down. And it's it's not just one or two sellers. They're selling... I mean, they're targeting everybody that's selling uh, Baby Yoda because of the the intellectual property um, concerns. Right. You know, they're taking down plushes, yarn Baby Yodas, uh, dice bags, 
with Baby Yoda on them. So, you know, if your Etsy item has anything to do with Baby Yoda, take it down because it won't be there for long. No, and, and you know, some of these Baby Yodas are super cute, but... I mean, yeah, they're, they're really cute, actually. People are doing a pretty good job of making Baby Yodas. But, you know, when it first came out, when The Mandalorian first came out, Baby Yoda was a bit of a surprise. His name isn't even Baby Yoda, but, you know, I'm just saying that... He's not even a baby. Uh, he's, he's like 50-something years old. <laughs> Yeah, he's yeah. like he's like middle aged, <laughs> middle aged like Yoda, middle aged yeah, Yoda. Yeah, but middle aged Yoda doesn't have the same ring to it. It so. doesn't. Nah. So, but it's not Yoda. <laughs> we don't know what he is. B- Baby Yoda was a surprise, and in order to keep the surprise, Disney didn't and then market. What his parents found anime. out. No, not. Oh. <laughs> we're not at that episode yet. Oh. <laughs> in order to keep the, the the surprise of Baby Yoda. Disney did not make t-shirts and plushies and toys and market it. They they kept that all hidden. So, of course, when Baby Yoda comes out, everyone wants a toy, but Disney doesn't have them. It's really unique because usually when a movie comes out, everything is, you know, already sold by Disney. There's a, a joke on the internet where if you want to know the plot of a movie but don't feel like seeing it, just go look at the names of the Lego sets and you'll get the basic rundown. You know, but this in this case, Disney didn't have any Baby Yoda stuff. So everybody flocked to Etsy, and for a while, for a while, you know, they made a lot of money. But yeah. now Disney's cracking down. Yeah, and, and you know it's it's hard because you can kind of understand why they'd want to do it because it is their intellectual property, it is their creation, and they don't want somebody else copying it. And then of course the people that are making these things are saying, "Hey, well, this is my interpretation, this is my craft." But you know, you're right. you're you're profiting in a sense off of somebody else's creation. Yeah, but, you know, while it is completely, well, it is illegal to, you know, sell Baby Yoda toys uh, when it's not yours. You know, you're not the creator of Baby Yoda. But at the same time, do you really think that they're driving so much money away from Disney, who didn't even have Baby Yoda things out at the time, that, you know, it's worth it? Like, I'm sure. Now they have Baby Yoda plushes and toys out, and I think they're doing a -A Build-A-Bear collaboration you know, they're going to make tons with that. And I yeah. doubt the Etsy market is really making that much of a dent. No, I don't, I don't think it really is hurting Disney. It's it's just, you know, that's the way they are. As a matter of fact, right. you know what's, what's, what's interesting and something that's arguable? All of the Disney YouTubers that are sponsored by Disney, mm-hmm. they make their living off of Disney, something they didn't create. That's right. They, they talk about it. They show pictures of it. Yeah, that's true. That's very true. But Disney benefits from those vloggers. So it's like, uh, what are those things called where the fish eat the eat the things off the shark? The relationships. You know what I'm talking about, where there's the fish and there's the shark with bacteria and the fish eat the bacteria off the shark and the shark benefits because there's no more bacteria and the fish benefit because they're not hungry anymore. Like some sort of... Symbi- codependent relation. Yes. Oh, co- no. Codependent. No. They have a relationship. They well, work together. They profit. They profit off each other. That's what I'm trying to say. Right. So, so Disney's okay letting the vloggers show IP. Right. right. Because Disney makes out, the vloggers make out. I'm, right. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that Disney makes out far better than the vloggers. Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's almost like, you know, with all the vloggers showing videos of Disney, it's almost like they're 
travel agents, free travel agents right. who are telling you all about how great Disney is. Right. You know what I mean? And, and they know that the, the yep. more they do, the more great Disney videos they make. Look at how great this is. The more money and offers they're going to get. And Disney knows the more great video Disney's, the great Disney videos they make, the more people are going to flock to right. Disney. So it's, you know, it's a cycle. Right. And, and I think that they benefit from that, but they don't benefit from people selling their creations on Etsy. And so that's right. where that came in. Right. So... Now, if those Baby Yoda plushes came with a coupon to the Disney store, maybe that would be a different story. What if somebody did a video mm -hmm. where Baby Yoda was the one showing the theme parks? A Disney vlogger, that was Baby Yoda. Well, let's just shut down the podcast. Let's start this up. Come on, we can get to work on this right now. Come to the parks, you will. By mm -hmm. churros, you will. Mm -hmm. Small world, it is. That's right. We have Yoda right here. Welcome to the pot. I'm just kidding. Yeah, and then we're going to get a takedown notice. Yeah, that's right. right. No, no. This is not Yoda. Copyright infringement. This is not. This is not the Yoda you're looking for. <laughs> <laughs> well, well, you know, D DMCA takedowns are, you know, prevalent with Disney. We see them all the time. They use them all the time. Absolutely. You know what? want to hear an interesting story since we're talking about this. I do. So... There was this couple that uh, went into an Iowa Walmart back at the time that The Force Awakens came out. That is episode seven. Seven, For right. those of you that aren't Star Wars savvy. The first Disney episode. Right, the first in years to come out. The yeah, first new movie. The first Mickey Mouse generated Disney movie. That's right. Well, Darth Mickey. Long story short, these people went into Walmart and they found a figure set from the force awakens mm -hmm. and i think it was a stormtrooper and um maybe ray that was involved in the box too right and interestingly enough they posted it online and um uh, the figure itself the set uh, were out earlier than they should have been right so they they and that's not their fault this was no, it's walmart's fault right. or the shipping fault you know there's no real it was somebody's fault but it wasn't the people that bought it right or took they, a picture of it they didn't even buy it they just that's took a right picture. they didn't buy it they took a picture of it so mm -hmm. they went into the store they found it on the shelf they took a picture of it and would you believe that disney sent them a digital millennium copyright act takedown notice for what how is that how is that right because they say that the they they were infringing because the picture mm-hmm was of an item that had not yet been released. How is how is that infringing though? Well, that's the issue. And it was Some, clearly released on the shelves. It was on the shelves, and so somebody now, somebody if they had bought that and opened it up at home. What would have happened then? I, I well, they owned it, but I I would not put it past Disney to, to have down? have yeah to attempt to at least. So it's wild. I mean, I mean. The issue is, how could it be considered unreleased if it's on the shelves at Walmart? Right. And all these people did was take a picture of it, mm -hmm. and they get a notice. Yeah, that seems like an odd, very odd takedown there. Well, the other thing is that's interesting is that nobody made any money off of this. Right, right, exactly. It's not like the people that took the picture said, hey, let's make some money. It's not like the mm -hmm. Etsy sellers that we just talked about. And, you know, a, a, a takedown seems like the, the worst way to try and hide this kind of thing because obviously people would have already downloaded the picture. I, I see the picture on my phone right now. So by taking it down, you're only drawing more attention. You're only drawing website articles like I was just reading. 
and you know you're only drawing more people to share the picture and so at that point you're just digging a deeper hole for yourself well at the same time you end up creating enemies because some people don't like the machine they don't like the mouse machine that's right you know and then all you do is you you draw the ire of of critics and and you say come on really you're going to go after these people who simply went into walmart there it is on the shelf they take a picture of it and you're going to send them a notice mm -hmm. you know and and that's this is just the tip of the iceberg so since we're talking about disney we're talking about my memories of going through the sears catalog and selecting those special star wars items i want on my list I want to talk about a history. Oh, a history. A long time ago, in a galaxy not so far away, of Star Wars legal battles. Oh. Not battles involving the legal Death Star. Wars. Legal wars. And, you know, some of them are, are completely ridiculous. Some of them are, um, I think, legit. But one that, that seems to me to be absolutely completely ridiculous is the case of star wars versus star wars all right so i don't know if you um if you remember but not too long ago we did a podcast about donald trump and how he used music he used it for his uh conventions and and mm -hmm. whatnot and, and the musicians didn't like that well uh, on a similar note no pun intended on a similar note you you wouldn't know, but in 1985, mm -hmm. George Lucas had had enough of President Ronald Reagan referring to the Strategic Defense Initiative as Star Wars. So what this was, was this was a um, defense initiative that Reagan had spearheaded that was to be launched into space and be used as a way of shooting down intercontinental ballistic missiles, nuclear warheads that might be launched from the Soviet Union or another country at the time. Mm -hmm. and, and we were going to shoot them down with lasers or missiles or, or whatnot. Right. And that's what he called it. He called it Star Wars. Now, that's, I think kind of a big honor to know that yeah president reagan's talking about star wars something some major thing that could change the course of history and they want to name it after you know your star movie wars, right yeah well well george lucas did not like it and he filed a lawsuit in the district of columbia against all the lobbying groups on both sides of the star wars controversy um alleging that they were infringing the star wars trademark by use of the name in their political discussions and advertisements and he sought an injunction and um you know ultimately at the end of the day the court held that they can't regulate the type of descriptive non-trade use involved without becoming the monitor and therefore he ultimately lost they didn't grant the injunction kind of on a on a technicality if you will, because of how he filed the lawsuit. But mm -hmm. nevertheless, George Lucas was unhappy and he didn't get his way anyway. Although he did make boatloads of money. See, I'm afraid, I would, I, I'm kind of glad they never went through with that plan though, because I fear that if they had created uh, lasers to shoot away things, someone would have created a bigger laser out in space called the Death Star. 
and that would have been the end. Oh, he would have been so mad. Yeah. He would have been so mad. <laughs> Maybe he would have made it himself to combat Ronald Reagan. You never know. They would have had their own Star War. You never know. Well, you know, another, another legal battle was between Star Wars and Battlestar Galactica. Oh, yes. Now, I happen to be a big fan of Battlestar Galactica, both mm -hmm. the original 1979-ish um, version and the reimagined version, which was, oh, I want to say in the early 2000s. 2000s yeah, yeah. Which I think, just, just as an aside, I thought was amazing. Yeah, I, it's, I agree. I've seen it. That's it's, one of the best shows. It's probably one of my favorite series of all time. Absolutely. The reimagined. But um, back in 1983, Star Wars had sort of... Um, it's because, because it, we, it was this giant, you know, it was. This, this huge media giant. Everyone knew Star Wars. Right. It's like there's really nothing to compare it to to these days. You know, there's there's nothing that I see nowadays that's so big that it could compare to Star Wars. Yeah. It, it wasn't just something everybody knows about either. It was something that was talked about. It was something that was on television. It was like, you know, a huge popular craze. Well, while this lawsuit that I'm going to talk about you know, was ultimately um, – dated in 1983 mm -hmm. um the claims really surrounded the battlestar galactica 20th um universal studios uh show and 20th century fox felt that the new battlestar galactica show back in the 70s back in 79 was too close to the star wars universe and it filed a lawsuit for copyright infringement mm -hmm. um, basically they're they're alleging that it was a struggle between good and evil in space now, I mean, I think that's a bit of a stretch. <laughs> yeah, really. I mean, what if it's a battle of good versus evil on land? Right. 99% of movies would be copyrighted. Right. Taken down. And I think that, that another argument they had was that the space vehicles, although futuristic, are made to look used and old, contrary to the stereotypical sleek new appearance of space age equipment. Um, it doesn't really seem like it's infringing on any of Star Wars's intellectual properties. No, and you know what? It was ultimately settled, but but by the time in 1983 this thing was decided and settled, mm -hmm. Battlestar Galactic had already been canceled. So, you know, it, it's sometimes I think uh, overkill because Battlestar Galactica could not have infringed, oh, no, infringed, or infringed or competed because it well, was it was canceled, but right. I, I don't see how Battlestar Galactica had anything to do with Star Wars. It had Wars. nothing to do with Star Wars. You know what it, you know what it was? It was that Star Wars was the, the big space movie, and this was gearing up to be another space thing. And it's like, oh, you know, this was television. Star Wars was movies. There's probably a thought, oh, what if the television one gets more popular because it's more easily accessible? You know, there's we can't have confusion you know, amongst the star series and all kinds of stuff. Yeah, and but you know what? If you actually look at the original 79 show, it was just very different. totally different. Very, very different. If you actually pay attention, it's very right. different. Now, they could argue that the emperor and the imperious leader were the same, but they weren't. Yeah. Um, I, I think you could say, you know, stormtroopers and Cylons, again, different. Mm -hmm. And it was a completely, you know, they're going to say the rebels and um, the the... The humans, right, were similar, but I honestly I don't I don't see it. But well, yeah, you know, they very settled. very different. Yeah. All right, so uh, we talked about Battlestar, but now we've got to talk about the other space show that really gives Star Wars 
run for its money, and that's Star Trek. Yes. I mean, there's a big divide. You are either a Trekkie or or a Star Wars fan. I mean, I like both, but... Oh, traitor. Middle of the road. Can't hop the fence Middle like that. Middle of the road. Not right. You know, I, I take a Vulcan approach. I make a very logical argument. That's how I work. Well, Star Trek is, uh, again, before we even get into it, like Battlestar Galactica, very different than Star Wars. I think so, you know, too. it's I've seen a lot of Star Trek stuff, not as much as I've seen, you know, Battlestar Galactica or even Star Wars, but I know that it's very different, very, very different. Everything about it's different, and you know, a lot of people seem to group all the space shows together, and I, that's just not right, you know. No, it it is, and it doesn't make any sense. And on top of which, I think that um, some of the issues with, or the distinctions, I should say, between Battlestar or, or Star Trek and Star Wars, is that Star Trek has always seemed to be more of an interpersonal relationship show than it does mm-hmm. some sort of massive space drama like Star Wars. It was really always more about the people. Like I felt a, a, a greater connection with some of the characters like like Captain Kirk and Mr. Spock. And it was different, I think, than, than Star Wars. But that said, um, there's a shoe company. It's very, very popular today. Clark's, Clark's of England. And in 1980, they had made Trek shoes obtained by the license to produce Star Wars branded sneakers for children. Um, and around the same time, the Glenn Shoe Company announced its own line of licensed Star Trek branded shoes for children. So they were both troubling to Clark's. And not only... I'm going to have to cut that out. Why? Because I'm not only... Three, two, one. Not only was it competing in the sci-fi footwear space, no pun intended, but it was also incorporating the word Trek to do it. Clark's ultimately filed a lawsuit in the Southern District of New York and sought to enjoin the sale of Star Trek shoes. The court denied the motion, holding that Clark's Trek shoes, which were made for adults, and Glenn's shoes, Star Trek shoes, made for kids and sold in association with images of Mr. Spock and the Starship Enterprise did not compete with each other and therefore no likelihood of confusion. Right. That seems like a kind of petty lawsuit right there, you know? You know, you'd almost wonder if it would bring more attention to... The Trek shoes. The Trek shoes. Right. Right? Now, if the Trek shoes... Uh, catchphrase where shoes that take you where no man had ever gone before, that would be a different story. Completely. Completely but different story. That's not story. the catchphrase. There's also a case in 1983 uh, Imperial Walkers versus Gartharian Striders. And, and this came in 1983 when artist Lee Seiler came forward and claimed that the Imperial Walkers from the 1980 film Empire Strikes Back were copied. From his own 1976 drawing of Gartharian Striders, he claimed that it was his original drawing and had been destroyed in a flood. Of of course, of course it had. The dog ate it. The The dog dog ate ate my Imperial Walker. He was carrying it outside, but he was also carrying some French fries and a bird took them both. Yes. But but you know what he did? He created a reconstruction in order to (laughs) register the work with the copyright office and bring a copyright infringement lawsuit. Did he really? Yeah, George Lucas. He created a a reconstruction? It was reconstruction. He redrew it? There was a flood. 
Oh, well, you know what? Hold on. Hold that thought. I have to go create my reconstruction of the Blintendo swap so I can go sue Nintendo. <laughs> Well, so that's what he did. That's believe it or not, that's what he did. George Lucas objected, as you can imagine. Of course he did. And um, the court sided with Lucasfilm and excluded the reconstruction because obvious reasons. Come on, really? Yeah, the Gartharian Striders will sink. Yeah, and and in fact, right, um, it it seems to be a, a complete money grab, frivolous lawsuit. Just from the get-go, but right. they tried. I mean, I guess A for effort? guess so. So, you know, another one that I really like and one that um, I, I remember really vividly was Star Wars versus Star Team. Star Team was this ideal ideal toy company. I don't even know if they're around anymore, but they had created a series of characters and I had these. I had these figures. I had these toys. Um, they included the evil Knight of Darkness and <laughs> some Android buddies, Zem Twenty One and Zeroid. Um, I had them. They were fun. They were awesome. Well, George Lucas didn't like that either because right before the Star Wars film came out, the Ideal Toy Company turned down a chance to make officially licensed products associated with the film. Um, they had felt that, that science fiction films were too chancy. And of course, once Star Wars came out and everybody and their brother realized how successful this was, everybody wanted to jump on the bandwagon. So Ideal re-examined its opinion on sci-fi toys and then released Star Team branded action figures, which of course included the the evil night of darkness which guess what you know who he looked like who did he look like luke skywalker no i'm kidding he looked the like evil darth, night of darkness he looked like darth vader <laughs> so uh, and i had him he was pretty awesome was he yeah what, um, was he like he he kind of resembled darth vader lucas i am your great uncle <laughs> that's his that's his key that catchphrase his, that was his catchphrase that's yeah. when you pulled the pull string that's what he said no i'm kidding um but anyway <laughs> Um, they filed a lawsuit and, uh, the court held that a finding of general association, the toys look like the movies and reminded someone of the movies. It doesn't mean that the prospective purchaser thinks that the toys are derived from star Wars or sponsored by the movie. Uh, the court found that Kenner would be likely to unlikely, I'm sorry, to, to succeed in its copyright claims. So ideal toy corp versus Kenner products. You know, they were able to sell these ideal toy figures. And I, I had them. And, and as a matter of fact, I was looking not too long ago on eBay to try to find one so that I could add them to my vintage toy collection. Really? Yeah. Because, Did you find any? Yeah, they're, they're there. I just never pulled the trigger only because, I don't know, I'm a, I'm a window shopper. Weren't ready to make that jump to light speed? I, I wasn't. I wasn't. It takes some time. It wasn't, uh, it wasn't ideal. Oh, yep. I get See? it. It's very funny. Well, you know, it was uh enjoyable going back down memory lane, remembering my Christmases past. That's right. When I would peruse that Sears catalog, pick out those figures, put them on my list and wait for Santa to bring them to me. 
Um, and I was never even aware of lawsuits at the time. I was too young. I was too excited about my action figures. Now, as an adult, you can look back and maybe chuckle at some of these lawsuits that was, uh, you know, born out of out of uh, Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So, and that was not in a galaxy far, far away. It all happened right here. That's right. Some of it did happen a long time ago. Some of it not. Seems like it's the future. That's really a long, long time ago. <laughs> well, thanks for watching. That's going to do it. Listening for... to our wacky Star Wars lawsuits. That was fun. And and I like Star Wars, so I think it's okay to talk yeah. about it as much as possible. I think this episode was out of this world. Out of this world. All right, that's going to do it for today's episode. Thanks for joining us. Please make sure that you subscribe to the podcast if you haven't already. If you have, thank you for subscribing. Make sure you share the information about the podcast with your friends and family. Thank you for listening to Understanding the Law Radio. Make sure you follow Peter on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. And stay tuned for future episodes.